Hello and welcome. It has been a very, very long time since I've seen the lovely Neil Jones uh, face, but we're back on. We're, we're looking a bit more sort of rested after what I hope has been a very uh, food-filled, uh, festive period for us both. Uh, we've certainly got plenty to sink our teeth into when it comes to the football, uh, because, of course, Liverpool went through to the fourth round of the FA Cup, courtesy of a 2-0 win against the Gunners. I mean, I mean, we have to kick off with the Arsenal game, Neil, because, I mean, Liverpool were under pretty much heavy enemy fire for much of the game. I mean, we can talk about how wasteful Arsenal's forward line, and that has been the narrative that has kind of dominated from an Arsenal perspective. But I think in the same breath, we really have to sort of give credit to Liverpool, give credit to Liverpool's back line, um, just in terms oh, yeah. of how resilient we were for the 90 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think full, full credit to, to Liverpool as a, as a team. Um, you know, I think you know to go back. I know it's been a while since we spoke, but to go back to that sort of the league meeting between Liverpool and Arsenal, and they came away with the one-one draw. And I, I don't think many conclusions were drawn, but I think if you were sort of if you were hedging your bets at that stage, I think people would have said, "Well, it's a better result for Arsenal." They're in probably in slightly better shape than Liverpool all round. You know, they they've gone to Anfield and got a decent point. Liverpool weren't able to to you know break down Manchester United. They haven't broken down Arsenal really. But you look at what's happened since, and you look at the sort of evidence since, and it, it it shows that maybe those those conclusions were premature. I think Liverpool Liverpool look like they're getting stronger as this season goes on, which is what we were hoping for. What we were, you know, we were talking about early in the season when we were maybe, you know, wondering if everything was going to click. We were saying, well, is this is this a bit lucky, or is it just a you know a precursor to something even better? And the evidence I think is starting to mount that. Liverpool has turned into a serious team. They're already a serious team. They've lost once domestically since April. They're top of the Premier League. They're favourites for the Europa League. They're into the semi-finals of the League Cup. And now they've just knocked out one of the big guns in the FA Cup without the captain, without their, their first two left-backs, without the, the the guy who's been starting centre-back more often than not at the start of the season, without Mo Salah, without Endo, who's you know, become so crucial in recent weeks. So everything's pointing in, in, a, in a good direction. And... The Arsenal game yesterday. You're right; they were under fire, and especially in the first 20 minutes. You know, it was a, it was one of those Arsenal have got this tendency against Liverpool. I need to start really quickly, and they've done it in the last few meetings. You know, they did it at Anfield in December. They did it last season at Anfield. They did it. They were scored inside the minutes at the Emirates in the league game last season, and they came out of the box flying. But I think the difference now, and the game I would compare it to, is the first game of last calendar year against Brentford this time last year. Liverpool just weren't able to cope with that kind of uh, assault. They, they, they would crumble and you would never feel like they were capable of getting back into a game like that and regaining their composure and sort of being able to put their foot on the ball and, and work the game out. It's very different now. And I thought once Liverpool had got over that first 15 or 20 minutes, I actually felt that they were the better side for the remainder. And I felt like they were the most dangerous side. And they were the side that was always, for me, in the second half, despite Arsenal carrying a threat, and they did carry a threat, through Martinelli and through Saka, I still felt Liverpool were the more likely to go on and win it, and so it proved. And yeah, it was um, my my seat in the press box. Obviously, it's very low down, so you're sort of pitch level, but you you're also quite close to the away end. And obviously, it was a huge away end yesterday with more than seven thousand fans. Um, and anyone who tells you the FA Cup doesn't matter or it's low down on the list of priorities needs to watch the scenes when that first goal went in. Um, because I tell you, it was it was one of those where I was very glad to be there. No, I imagine everyone present was rather glad to be there as well, certainly <laughs> from a, a Liverpool persuasion. I, I, I mean, you talked about sort of like the, the composure, sort of the calmness at the, at the back. And I think obviously 
Ibrahima Kanate was a clear sort of man of the match. Uh, for many, I will talk about the others as well. But, you know, I think he asserted himself pretty quickly from the off. Uh, there was that sort of Joe Gomez area, lost possession close to Liverpool box. Yeah. Kanate comes sliding in with a goal-defying sort of challenge. Um, I, I mean, I, I do wonder sometimes, because I certainly feel that we're pre- very much appreciating, but I do wonder whether at times those outside of Merseyside certainly seem to be sleeping on his ability, on his potential. You know, th- th- there seems to be that presumption from an international perspective that William Saliba, for instance, is the clear you know, leader yeah. in terms of the French sort of international setup. Um, I rather think it's a lot closer than that. Um, I, I actually quite fancy Canate in that personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I am biased, but I, 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 I do feel he can be. I, I don't know. I do feel that he's a bit overlooked uh, out beyond the yeah. borders of Merseyside. Yeah, I think probably the, the problem he's had is, is consistency of playing, hasn't it? You know, in in. You know he's had he's had good runs in the team, but I think he's probably not quite had that sort of two three month spell where you know he's playing every week because he ability wise and you I I fully agree. I mean, listen, I, I think Salib is a brilliant defender by the way, and I thought he was probably Arsenal's best player yesterday, as it happens. Um, but he's been in the team as me for pretty much a season, and when he was missing, Arsenal actually dropped off quite noticeably so it was easy to sort of continue that narrative that you know he's he's a difference maker for them Canate's been a little bit more sort of flashes as you know four or five weeks and obviously Liverpool have had people like Matip to come in Joe Gomez to come in we've seen Kwanzaa this year so there's been that kind of maybe the perception from outsiders that he's not quite established yet even though you know you think back he's, he was probably Liverpool well I don't even think he was probably he was Liverpool's best player in the Champions League final what you know 18 months ago uh, a little bit more so he's He's already played at a, a really high level. He, he played in the World Cup final for, for France. You know, very nearly got um, a, a wonderful assist for a winning goal in the last minute of um, of, of stoppage time. So he's uh, he's he certainly, you know, made his mark at the very top level. I think the next step for him is to just stay fit and, and do it consistently over the course of you know two three months, a whole season, a half of a season, just to to really underline that potential. But you think about twenty three years of age. Um, the gifts that he's got, and you know, we, we'll talk about pace and physicality. They're sort of, they're almost a given now when you talk about Premier League footballers. They're all quick, they're all physical, they're all units. But Canate really does seem to have improved a lot since he's been at Liverpool in terms of his, his reading of the game, the positional play, not getting caught wrong side. You know, that that block that you mentioned there, the one from um, with the Gomez era. It reminded me a lot of sort of great defenders of the past, you know, John Terry's and, and um, Jamie Carragher's of just sensing danger and being in the right place and being willing to put your body on the line and, and, and get in there. He's got that about him as well. So, you know, he's he, he's probably been a little bit underwhelming this season, all, all told. He probably hasn't played as much football. He hasn't been at the highest level. But you think back to that Arsenal game in December, he was immense in that. And since then, obviously, that must have given him a, a big boost of confidence. And without Van Dijk on Sunday, it needed both him and Kwanzaa to really sort of, you know, stay on the on the game and, and, and step up. And I thought Canate did for the 90. I thought Kwanzaa did it particularly after the first sort of half hour. I thought both of those two in the second half in particular were immense. I mean, it's quite a complicated uh, role as well, specifically Canate's role, specifically given yeah. the nature of the man right next to him in Trent Alexander-Arnold. I, d- I don't think, you know, obviously inverted footballers are, 
more of a thing sort of nowadays. But I, I you know, I do feel also we're not just talking about you know being competent just in his own right, but he's, he's competent even despite the fact he's having to manage effectively two positions well, at once at times. Well, you know. well, just think. I mean, I've just compared them to John Terry and Jamie Carragher, but can you imagine either of those two in their their day doing it doing that role? one-on-one high line you know listen and, and and that's that's me talking about two of the best defenders in premier league history and two of my favorite defenders in premier league history i i, I think if you ask cara would you fancy doing that without a right back next year i think he'd say <laughs> no thank you I'll, uh, I'll, 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 uh, I'll give that one a miss um so it's bravery of course from the manager it's bravery uh, or it's, it's 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 knowledge of your players isn't it and i don't think there's many center backs that you could do that with i don't think you would want to be doing it you know with with James Tarkovsky's and people like that, who, who again are very good, good defenders in their own right. It needs a certain type of player and a certain type of character to do that that role because you know you can look stupid. It's very easy to look stupid in that role because you're getting Gabriel Martinelli running at you into space. You're getting you know Kai Havertz drifting off and, and and leaving space in behind you because he's come in as a false nine. So you have to be switched on. That's always the big thing with defenders for me. Is always you know yes. When they when they make blocks and when they make tackles, it looks great. But it's the concentration element and it's the, being switched on and realizing what's going on around you. And I think Karate is getting better and better at that. I actually think as well. That was that. I've been very impressed by Gerald Quanta. That second half is the most impressed I've been with Gerald Quanta since he's played for Liverpool because that was a really tough ask. He'd had a difficult first half. He'd had a bit of an injury, like scared, and he with his knee, I think it was, or his ankle. You know, he was getting a bit of the run around him and Gomez had a little bit of a moment in the first half and you thought, oh, OK, this, let's see what he's made of. But I thought in the second half, I thought he was massively impressive. But it was it all stemmed from that concentration element of just making sure that what, whenever things did go wrong and inevitably you are going to be left in positions against teams like a hostel where you, you feel exposed, keeping your composure, keeping your, your, you know, your awareness of what's around you. I thought both he and Canate were, were exceptional. No, I mean, that's the second time you've mentioned Quanta's name. Right now, and I'm rightly yeah. so, but I mean, it's brilliant. I mean, the stats, I think I've got them right here. Clearance, two interceptions, tackle. Uh, three out of five is aerial duels, one. Generally quite reliable in the pass, 87% of his passes completed. Um, I mean, there was no Van Dyke. We, we found this out, obviously, before the match due to illness. But, you know, Quanta, again, steps up to the plate. You know, he might not be sort of my personal man in the match, uh, but still delivers in a game where there's an intimidating atmosphere, an intimidating opponent yeah. facing a barrage of chances. He's calm, he's reliable, he's just apparently not phased by any opposition, any occasion. It, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very curious what you make of him, because in my mind it's becoming increasingly difficult to sort of just look at him as, as this academy, academy lad who's just sort of stepped into the side and made an impression. I, you know, I really don't want to get ahead of myself because I'm very wary of of that happening to sort of younger players, but he feels closer to being a £50 million footballer than he does an academy prospect. That, that, that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? 100%. I, I think that, um, and listen, of course, you know, you don't know. We're, we're speculating on, on these kind of things, but I can't imagine a 20-year-old centre-back, Liverpool signing a 20-year-old centre-back who would play any better than Jarrell Kwanzaa has played this season. And that doesn't mean that they don't exist or that, that you know, they shouldn't look for new players or whatever but I can't imagine it. anyone that they signed in the summer whatever you know I can't even imagine maybe many 20, 25 year old centre-backs 26 year old centre-backs who would have played better than, than Kwanzaa has in a Liverpool team and in a Liverpool way and I think the biggest thing that stood out for me on Sunday obviously was yeah he had, he had a couple of moments there was a couple where he played a few risky passes I think he put he put McAllister under it I think 
uh, on one occasion. I think there was one he tried to fire into Nunes, which got intercepted, and it ended up with with I think Havertz scuffing a shot. <laughs> he scuffed a few shots, to be fair, on the on the day. <laughs> um, sorry, Kai, but. Um, <laughs> He, he made a few mistakes in the first period, and you know you saw okay that you know he's he's gonna have to he's gonna have to ride out a bit of a storm, and it, it might it might you know be one of those learning experience days. But he never he never changed the way he played. You know he never you never saw him just hitting into Rosehead or you know sort of protecting himself and thinking about himself. You know you saw him every time. You know, there, was a, there was one in the first half where he ended up sort of almost in the number nine position, dribbling with the ball, and you thought, wow, okay, that's you know that's courage for a young lad. You know you're not sort of you're not hiding or you're not you're not not going back to basics and doing the things that will make sure that no one turns the spotlight on you. You know, he's he was playing like a Liverpool defender needs to play and that's what he's done since he's come into the side. And I I I'm fully with you. You know, he's he's what, a dozen games or so, maybe a bit more into his Liverpool career. He he looks like he belongs. And every time I see him he looks more like he belongs and I think he might just be one of those players that if he stays fit and if he continues on this trajectory, and even if he just continues, you know, doesn't even get that much better, even if he just stays as he is now, he could save Liverpool a fortune going forward. And they're going to have to buy some players, obviously, you know, in the coming windows um, across the park, really, because obviously of ages and contract situations and just general refreshing. But I don't think they need to, I don't think they need to worry about a, a player with, you know, finding a player with his capabilities, I think he's good enough. No, absolutely. I think you're right on the sort of saving money front as well. I think because we were sort of going into this sort of feeling Liverpool probably need, you know, Massip's sort of coming up to, you know, the last year of his contract, the injury. We don't know what's sort of going to happen beyond that. Also needs a sort of future plan with the uh, sort of Van Dijk's position. So you're thinking that's that's two centre-backs really than you're saying you need. If you can already eliminate one of those needs yeah. at, at this point, it, it's, it's you know, go right, one forward, one, one centre-half, maybe a, a number six, depending on how we feel come the summer. It's, it reduces the workload, which is always reassuring. Um, just one final point as well on the, the, the back line. There was an interesting question sort of asked after the match. Uh, Martin Keown, uh, Danny Murphy and Gary Lineker were sort of talking up at Liverpool's performance. And Lineker interestingly posed the question after the match. You don't really hear posed by any sort of commentator, pundit or journalist beyond Merseyside. Uh, he asked Keown and Murphy whether he felt there was a tendency just to focus on the weaknesses around Trent Alexander-Arnold, specifically defensive mistakes, and then exaggerate it. Now, the, 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 the sort of second pause that followed that question uh, went by very quick. It, it seemed to sort of hang in the air for, for quite a while longer. Um, I, I mean, obviously, Kieran then goes on to sort of push the case and say, yeah, well, we need to push him into midfield, especially on an international basis for England. I mean, I, I just thought it was an interesting question to see posed from yeah. someone who's not from Merseyside, because I feel like we very much feel feel that way, but we don't often see that sort of perspective espoused by anyone else yeah do you know what I, i've had a little thing about this i've actually written about this today just is he taken for granted and i don't mean necessarily you know i think everyone knows trent alexander arnold's a brilliant player but do do we take for granted just what an all-round footballer he is and i'm you know we, we talk a lot about delivery and assists and things like that and but, but generally when you watch trent play the impact that he has on every single game, and even when he doesn't play particularly well, and you know maybe his radar's off, or you know he's he's under pressure from fullbacks, the impact that he has on the game is is just as as great as probably anyone in the Premier League in terms of the way that the game's played. And, you know, you look at 
you look at the first half, he played obviously as a right back coming into midfield, but but you look at the amount of times every time Liverpool had some sort of settled play in the game, it was all, it was him. It was him finding a pass into someone's feet. It was him getting the ball out of his feet and getting it into space down the line. There was a moment, obviously, when he dribbles across his own six-yard box, you know, into left back and 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 doesn't just put it down the line and out of play. He puts it into I think it's Gakpo, I think he thought, or maybe Diaz with his left foot and Liverpool are on the attack. And you think that's just it's 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 absolutely incredible. And I think it's it's just become normalized with them. There was a touch in the second half near his own corner flag where Canate sort of won the ball near the touchline and then he tried to play it to Trent, but he had to lift it. And it was one of them where it was like, well, you're going to put that out for it. potentially a corner, potentially a throw-in. And Trent just kills it over his shoulder and just fires it out. And Liverpool are out, you know, have escaped sort of a bit of pressure. He does it every single week. He does things in the game, three or four at least, mostly more, where you go, wow, what, what was that? Like, that was just unbelievable. It was a pass for Nunes in the second half where he just whipped it in behind. I think it was Ben White and, and Liverpool are in. He's... He's as good a footballer as there is at the moment in the Premier League, as good a footballer as it is across Europe in terms of, you know, his just his, his talent and his ability. Of course, yeah, there is a, a, a tendency to focus on it. But I think I did see a start and, I, you know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be sharing it because I don't know if it's, I haven't really checked it, but I sort of start that of all the left wingers that have played against Liverpool this season, I think only, only Anthony Gordon scored or assisted the goal. Oh, that's um, as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I mean, listen, that, that might not be true. And, and you know, it might be people shouting at the screen now. But when you think about it, I can't think of many. I'm, I can think of moments where I thought, oh, you know, that was a bit dicey. But I can't think of many where I go, come off and thought, well, he's just absolutely rinsed him. The only one that I remember really thinking, wow, like that was a tough afternoon was Doku against City. And even he didn't, you know, he didn't in the end score. Um, So... It's this risk and reward. So, I, I, the other, the other thing, sorry, the other reason I wanted to mention it was that obviously a lot of the Trent debate around his defending comes with an England flavour to it. Well, I'll tell you now, I've never seen Trent have a month as bad as Kieran Trippier had in December. I've never seen Trent miss as many games as Reese James misses, and I remember having similar debates or hearing similar debates about Kyle Walker when he was younger, when he was Trent's age, about his defending, saying, oh, yeah, he's a great athlete, gets up and down, but he can't trust him defensively. I remember him giving a penalty away, Kyle Walker, during the, the COVID season against Liverpool. And the response from Roy Keane in the studio was, what's happened there? Why is Kyle Walker giving away that penalty? And Roy Keane said, because he's an idiot and he can't defend. And I, remember, I distinctly remember that, that debate. So th- this, maybe it's just a... Maybe it's just a thing, a big club thing that we, we you know, we sort of, we, there's no point telling everyone that Liverpool players are good because everyone knows Liverpool players are good. So let's have a look deeper and let's try and find some sort of fault with them. We, people do it with Salah, don't they? Sometimes, you know, try and say, oh, well, he's not at his best, but he's got 24 goals or whatever. Um, it's a little bit similar with Trent. For me, there should be no possible grey area with, with Trent alexander He's a world-class player. He's 25 years of age. I think he's already among the greats of Liverpool. It scares me to think by the time he's finished just where he might be in terms of appearances, in terms of honours, in terms of stature at Liverpool. And he looks like he's getting better and better. And that that can only be good news for Liverpool. And yeah, if Martin Keown and Danny Murphy want to sort of point holes in and, you know, him struggling to handle 
pretty good attackers like Gabriel Martinelli. Well, that's their that's their luck, isn't it? I looked at Trent. I think he won. I think he won possession back more times than anyone else on the pitch. Um, yesterday, I think he I think he won seven out of nine duels. I think it was. He won both his aerial duels. He's not he's not a bad defender, and you wouldn't he wouldn't be playing for Liverpool at the top of the Premier League and chasing other trophies if he was. No, absolutely. That's a very good sort of stats. I, I, I mean, I should add, I didn't add, but I think I think Danny Murphy did sort of loosely agree with sort of Lineker's points on everyone seeming to, well, everyone outside of Merseyside seemed to sort of point holes, listen, put holes into Trent's game. But... I'm, I'm picking Danny Murphy, Mark. Yeah, to be honest, it's, it's not. It's, I think it just might be a little bit of a thing of, you know, it, is it just boring to say, well, what a player Trent is. Wow, what a player he is. You know, so, and, and look, that's not to say he's infallible. And that's not to say he doesn't have bad games. And there aren't moments where you go, oh, just be a bit, be a bit more intense with your defending. Sometimes he can just dangle a leg out. But really, it doesn't cost Liverpool, does it? You know, his his defensive insecurity hasn't cost Liverpool since he's been on the side. They've been up near the top, challenging for every single honour most seasons, and he's been a huge part of it. So, yeah, if if that's the price. If, if the price of, of having Trent Alexander-Arnold in your team is occasionally you think a left winger might score or he gets into the penalty area and a, another player has to make a, a block or a challenge, I'll take that all day long. I, I do think you're right, though, like, especially with the point you make. I, I think it, the commentary around him is so binary to the point of, you know, it's and again, this happened again after sort of the Arsenal game. It was very much, oh, he's, he's a great pass of the ball, best pass of the ball, um, certainly in English football. But the defending, rather than, as you say, there is very little focus on his all-round sort of contributions. It is Absolutely. one really good part of his play and one supposedly really poor yeah. part of his play. It, 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 it's, yeah, this doesn't, it doesn't ever seem, the conversation doesn't ever seem to evolve into an actual all-round appreciation of everything he does. Uh-huh. Uh, but 100%. hopefully maybe one day we'll he, reach that point. He's, what, he's one of the most two-footed <laughs> players in the league. He's one of the most two-footed footballers in the Premier League. He's, he's definitely improved defensively, especially in the air. He's improved massively. You know, yeah, I, I watch him every week, and I've, I, I can see what he is now to what he was then. And he, listen, he might, he's not, he isn't, you know, your classic sort of, you know, I, I can't even think of the, the the perfect example of the perfect right back defender. But he's not, he's not that. Probably him, he's, isn't it? He's so much, <laughs> yeah, he's not. He's so much better. You know, he's so much better than he was. His delivery. Has got better as he's as he's got into the team because he's more varied. He puts it in with the outside of his foot. He puts it in with his left foot. He whips it low. He puts it high. He shoots. You know, he, he's like, how? What do you want? What, what more do you want? There was one yesterday where he ran away. You know, he took a touch. I think he, he whipped it away from Reese Nelson and and drove forward. And you thought, wow, like you know, you sort of you could imagine someone fusing the footage with like a Steven Gerrard clip or something where it was like, wow, like he's striding away from people through midfield. You know, it was yeah. <laughs> and also, here's the other part. You know. He plays two positions like in the same game. You know, he plays. He plays it like he's just yeah. He's a yeah. I could talk all day about him. To be perfectly honest, and I still wouldn't say enough good things about him. You, you reach the seventy-minute mark, don't you? And he steps into. I mean, I get. I, I, I tweeted yeah. about this sort of during the game. You know, with, and Klopp deserves sort of credit for this. For sort of brings on uh, Bradley um, and yeah. I'm. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Bobby Bradley and obviously puts him in, Bobby Clark completely had a brain fart there. Uh, brings on Bradley, puts him at right back, uh, pushes Trent into midfield, and it seems, you know, it, it just seems so natural that sort of you know mm. he, he steps into that sort of holding role effectively, and it's yeah, it, it's just remarkable. Point. There's just no fuss over it, is there? 
No, and it was a, a quote from Jürgen here. I've got it actually here on, on in front of me. He said, 1-0 up. He spoke to everybody without me shouting at him and telling him that he has to speak. He made, he said to make sure we're really compact, stuff like this. He said, my God, what a player. And, you know, you, like that's another another side to the game that I think's come this season where you're seeing him. You know, there are some players, Jamie Carragher, for example, I've mentioned him a couple of times on this, so apologies, but <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if he's got doesn't matter if he's got an armband on or whether you tell him to be the captain today and go under the coin toss, he he'll play the same. I think people like Gerard and like Trent, I think it it, it lifts their shoulders when when they're responsible in the team with an arm, with the captain's armband or vice captain around the club. I think and I think you've seen that this he's just grown he's grown a couple of inches almost, you know, in terms of his, his stature. You see that He's accepting, okay, yeah, this is my team. You know, I, I'm responsible for this team. Now, it's not just, I'm not just one of the really good players within a team that's led by Jordan Henderson, James Milner. You know, I'm, I'm the young lad who's, who's sort of, you know, living his dream. This is my Liverpool now. This is my era of, of Liverpool where, you know, it, it, it's going to be, it's going to be me dominating the sort of, you know, the, the talk. It's going to be me on the pitches with the, you know, with the, with the cups and whatever we win and things like that, you know, with me him, Virgil. So you can see that making an, an impact on him. and. You know, it, I didn't think it was possible for him to sort of take on more responsibility within Liverpool because he's always been that sort of creative hub and tactical hub. But what he's done since since he's been moving into that hybrid role is not short of magnificent, to be perfectly honest. And you know, off the pitch as well, he seems to be uh, he seems to be really mature and too. No, absolutely. I, th- I think obviously you mentioned uh, previously about you know how scary it could be in terms of the honours he could win, the player he could even develop into. I, I think it's scary. What Liverpool as a whole could possibly achieve this season, and I think it's increasingly becoming the case that Liverpool's biggest sort of opponent would be themselves in this. And I mean, you know, you look at the players we could be getting back and sort of playing that sort of fragile knife's edge of a sort of injuries and that kind of thing. I think injuries are sort of the main thing, really, because Liverpool, especially in the context of, sort of the January window, we could really ride our luck here. You know, we've got I think Simicaz is was already out on the pitch unless I'm <laughs> mistaken. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the, him and Robertson is a tough one because I think they'll be fit but not able to play. For, for I think Robert, you know, it's one of them, it's so fragile with the contact uh, thing, but the fitness-wise, I think they'll be ready to go sort of straight away, obviously, once they get the all clear. But yeah, you're right. I mean, the players have got to come back. He's got Thiago, hopefully, at some point this month. You've obviously got Sobis Life, hope, fingers crossed for the next league game. Um... Obviously, I saw Nendo, uh, uh, <laughs> it's a terrible thing to say. I think Jürgen said it on Friday, didn't he? He said, I hope you have a really good... Yeah. I hope you have a really good... Group, I, d- I don't wish stage. you luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. I mean, I, whatever happens there, it will happen. So good luck to both of them. But, you know, they'll be back next month is, is the key the key point to that. Uh, Mathip's obviously a, a longer term. And was that it? I think that might... And Bajetic as well, obviously. I think he's he's sort of, again, just waiting for the green light before he, he's given it the, the all clear. So it is, it could be, you know, and and don't and then factor in that Connor Bradley, you know, comes on and I thought was outstanding in that last 15 minutes, you know, really, really helped lock down that win. Bobby Clark hasn't played a minute for the for the senior team this season. You know, it's only his third senior appearance. Comes on. I think the biggest cheer he got from from me definitely was was when he brought Declan Rice down and for that that yellow card I thought, wow, that's 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 some serious senior pro behaviour from that one, you know, in the, in the last minute. You, you know, you've got other players around the squad that Jürgen clearly thinks, if I need them at the Emirates, I can I can use them. You know, you, you've got some options. So 
there's almost a three-tier element to the squad. There's the sort of the, the ones that always play. There's the ones that come in and out and, and mix and match and play, you know, one week and cut and go on the bench. Next. And then you've got a few younger players as well who can really make an impact. And yeah, if you can get the majority of them fit for the majority of the rest of the season, there's not many excuses. The only the only things that are going to sort of derail Liverpool are Man City and injuries and yeah that's a, a familiar it's nice to be back on familiar soil really isn't it in terms of after after a year off it's nice to be back in that position of looking over the shoulder and saying okay what are they up to I know what, what a transitionary season this yeah. is really I, I, I mean I suppose that's the question really isn't it because I, I, do, I do think it's the case of Liverpool could ride their luck here the injuries could all work out but you know we already saw that there were almost these little tiny hints of concern you know Van Dijk's obviously thankfully only in an illness not a serious injury yeah I was a little concerned with Kwanzaa because he pulls up during the game after um, I think his foot rolls over the ball doesn't it yeah um, and, it, and he carries on and he's fine um, it, 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 it's a hard one because the luck thing could really work out. I'm sure Klopp, of course, was you know has historically said he doesn't want to just willy-nilly go into the market, upset the balance of his squad, or have a player too many, and then sort of go where, where when and when a winner he's going to play. Buying in January, of course, is complicated in of itself. But but there is a real real sense here that Liverpool could do something special with the season, and we've seen before in January, obviously. Further afield with the Diaz signing, plenty of others, of course. That you bring these people in, and it really supercharges sort of the rest of your season. Yeah. I mean, for for instance, could we see a fresh face at the back, like sort of of the mould of sort of a, of a Gonzalo and Asiao, for instance, who could come in and spark a sense of we're really going for this, lads. You know, there's, there's a lot on the table yeah. here. Yeah, I mean, I, suppose, I think what I would say is it's more difficult to do it with a defensive signing to really like sort of energise. The place because if if you don't get the injuries, they're not going to play either, you know, or they're not going to be needed that much. So, and and really, you know, bringing in a Diaz or a Gakpo, I mean, different situation. But Gakpo came in, it it, it maybe doesn't necessarily make that instant difference. It just gives you a bit more yeah. room in terms of the squad. But I I agree. You know, if you were to show an ambition, so you know, it was a player that you really wanted, as opposed to sort of a a, you know a short term kind of sign and you know just a body, then it could it could really send a good statement to the to the to the squad and to the club and to the fans to the rest of the league that wow, like that that they they've got themselves in a good position and they're going again. You know, like they're 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 right at it. you know the player you mentioned, obviously, and I think that'll be a difficult one because he's a left sided centre back and you're gonna have where's he gonna play? You know. When Virgil's, Virgil's available, <laughs> Good luck with Virgil. yeah, exactly that. But 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 definitely, you know, I think I think if the if if a player that Liverpool wanted long term was available in this window, I think there'd be a very good case for Liverpool doing it, um, because you can you can all the what ifs, you can get caught up in what ifs, and you know there's there's as much chance probably of a new player getting injured as as there is Canate getting injured. Or Gerald Kwanzaa, but wouldn't it be nice for Liverpool to just give themselves a little bit of breathing space and not have to, you know? I think I think the camera panned to Jurgen when I think it was Kwanzaa when he went down. It panned oh, to yeah. Jurgen on the sideline, and you could see. I mean, it was written on his face, wasn't it? It was like, please, like please, come on, no. And when he got up and carried on, I was sort of waiting for the moment where he just sits down again and sort of that's it, you know. We were sort of just we were delaying while we get a sub ready. So the fact that Kwanzaa carried on was a big moment, but it would 
having an extra body obviously would remove a little bit of that tension, wouldn't it? Mid mid game where you you sort of wince and every time a player goes in for a big challenge or every time he sort of you know looks towards the the, the sideline, you're thinking, oh come on, please let's get lucky with this one. Um, I I think that would be the only the only sort of the biggest concern I would have. Take Man City out of it. Man City and Man City, they'll do what they do. They'll probably win most games that they play between now and the end of the season. You can't control that. You can control the game when you come to Anfield and you can beat them. But the one thing Liverpool can potentially control is they can just make their life a little bit more comfortable by having an extra, one extra body around the squad, whether that's a centre-back, whether it's a full-back, whether it's a, a, a player who can do a bit of both. Um, I think that would be the one the one area that I'd be, I'd be most uh, happy with Liverpool doing something between now and the end of the window. But if they don't and they ride their luck, they can still get, you know, they can still cope with most things. It's a complicated one, isn't it? Because, you know, it is, you're probably not getting in at left centre-back unless there's a serious injury to Virgil. And then even you think of the right centre-back, you've got Canate. Quantz has been absolutely phenomenal yeah. this season as yeah. well. So it's, you know, who are you signing you that's... Don't... So you don't good. Need a left back. You've, got, you've got Joe <laughs> Gomez now. The, 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 Apparently, the play anywhere. Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah unbelievable. Know I mean? unbelievable. Yeah, he's been brilliant. Maybe, maybe just you're thinking longer term. Obviously, and you know, in terms of Virgil, 33 going on, Joel Matip coming to the end of his time at Liverpool. You know, Canate, like I say, still got to add that layer of consistency. Quan, so we still, I, I suspect he's going to a pretty good level, but we still don't know what what sort of um, hurdles are on the way. So you're thinking longer term, but if you could get the longer term signing. Now, I think that would make a huge difference. No, absolutely. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to briefly talk about sort of forwards as well, um, which, which seems a bit um, unfair given <laughs> how well we look at so Jurga Jota, for instance, has sort of come into the side, got an assist as well uh, last night against yeah. Arsenal. He's been, he's not needed a lot of minutes to make an impact. He's just an absolutely phenomenal forward. And Luis Diaz, of course, come in into some form as well. And the, the switching of the wings as well really helped him. That's where he scored his goal, of course, plus Aaron Ramsdale uh, on the the right, I believe. Um, still, again, we're in January. We have to talk about it because it's a unique opportunity, a difficult opportunity, because we're looking at it in the sense of Salah's off at the African Cup of Nations. I think his performances this season are very much warranted discussions over a new contract. And I'd certainly be yeah. massively disappointed personally if we ended up selling him after all this in the summer. It'd be such a waste of an opportunity there. But I think there is a potential box there and it is so dependent on what's available on the market in terms of future planning. Um, again, you know, opportunity, price, so on, so forth. Um, but I mean... We've seen so many names linked recently. Pedro Neto, PSV's Johan Bakayoko. More recently, football transfers have linked uh, Leeds as Crescencio Somerville. And yeah. Michael Elise. Um I, did, I had a look at Somerville. He's one that has popped, that popped up before. Not sort of for Liverpool, but definitely sort of for other Premier League uh, sides. But what interests me, particularly in the context of Bakayoko, is uh, they're deemed statistically similar, according to uh, stats compiled by FB Ref. What separates him from Bakayoko, though, is, is he's more, Somerville is more balanced when it comes to creating and scoring goals. So in terms of, so his XG, his non-penalty XG, and obviously we have to account for the fact he's been playing championship football this season. But over the last sort of 365 days, his non-penalty XG is it ranks in the 94th percentile compared to other f- attackers in Europe's sort of top five leagues. Uh, expected goals, 95th percentile. So this isn't just a player who's good at one particular thing. It's 
again, not not a sort of Salah like for like, but someone who can offer something more than just goal, more than just assists. He, he, he can quite yeah. effect. And again, plenty of attack. Uh, Touches in the sort of attacking penalty box, 98 percentile there, comfortable carrying the ball. There's a lot of boxes ticked here. And again, we do have to sort of emphasise he has been playing his football in the championship. But, you know, Liverpool have looked at kind of players before and we've sort of gone, you know, we talked about Andy Robertson and Genie Wijnaldum and we've gone, oh, they play for Hull City, they play for Newcastle, they weren't doing yeah. as well. And well, why can't Liverpool go for say, you know, a Leeds or, or, or someone of that sort of variety. I, I think the proof, the yeah. profile is intriguing, I think, at the very least. Yeah, I think he makes more sense than Johan Bakayoko in terms of <laughs> you're not signing a player at the moment, Liverpool, who's going to have great expectations of going straight into the side. You know, you're, you, they're, they're not going to, unless unless they sign Kylian Mbappe, you know, they're not going <laughs> to sign someone who's going to go right into the Liverpool team and, and, and start every game. So it would be harder to imagine Johan Bakayoko accepting that role given that you know the, the the club he's been playing for the level he's been playing at and you know the, the, the clubs that are reportedly in for him so Somerville obviously if you come from the championship I think he'd have a decent idea that okay I'm gonna have to be patient and maybe get me minutes elsewhere that would be the one you know I look at I look at Michael Elise I watched I actually I covered the City game against Palace uh last month and I couldn't have come I couldn't have been more impressed by Elise in the game you know a Roy Hodgson side away at City and you know conceding possession and not showing much ambition and yeah he still stood out every time he had the ball he'd done something but when you speak to people who know him or know you know no recruitment processes that the, the question they would ask is yeah well will you, will you see the same level of Michael Olise if he's not the main man somewhere else or if he's you know he's a rotation player and he's not got that rhythm of playing every single game possibly not so there are you know other other elements that rather than just is he a good player or does he score goals or does he create goals to consider i think liverpool have obviously got high hopes for some of the younger forwards bendo has had a, a, a difficult season this year with you know getting that bad injury he, he maybe was a little bit i think he probably would be a bit underwhelmed by his performances in, in some of the cup games even though he, he had moments um They've also got high hopes for him, so don't don't rule him out. Obviously, don't rule Kate Gordon out. You know, he's he's one that needs to get back to playing some kind of football, and maybe maybe he might be one that gets primed for a, a loan move um, next season potentially, or you know, if all goes even better, he could be around the first team squad. So it would have to be a it'd have to be a, a player that was a very very convincing argument to, to come into this Liverpool group um, of forwards. Or I could say someone who is just you know, um, unquestionably elite. I think it's more likely that Liverpool will be sort of looking around elsewhere at this stage. Um, you know, looking at midfielders or, or or defenders before they're starting to sort of bring in big big forward signings. Do you, do you think the main points of Percy and your point? For Liverpool, where, where would you be sort of looking to prioritise? I mean, we—I realise I've skipped over yeah. midfield, yeah. but I'm, I mean, I personally don't see Liverpool finding a better number six at this stage of the season than uh, Alexis McAllister or even Botero Endo. That's quite the challenge in terms of what Liverpool are looking for. I think it would be either the back line or the forward line they strengthen. But do you have a yeah. particular? I think. I think. My mine would be I think a longer term or you know short to medium long term 
centre back. I think I think someone someone that steps into Matip's place in the squad. I think I think look what 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 we've learned from this season. Maybe we've learned not to sort of make conclusions around Joe Gomez, but Joe Gomez seems to be a full back in the, in this Liverpool setup, you know, as opposed to a a, a centre back. And and it looks like it suits him, doesn't it? You know that that sort of that role. You know, he he looks like he's relishing playing um, a full back where he's actually. His strengths are highlighted and his weaknesses are hidden a little bit more, aren't they? You know, in terms of, I, I was thinking this the other day. I was thinking, would I, if I was a winger, even if I was a very good winger, would I want to play against Joe Gomez? Or, like, you could have a, you could have a tough afternoon against him. You know, he's quick, he's strong, he's good in the air, he's tall. You know, he he, he can run. Um, he's 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 not nasty. Um, so you you don't even sort of you, can, you don't even get into real battles with him. You know, he's sort of he, he he's he's a, a clean player, isn't he? So he can he can make you look silly if he's on his game, Joe Gomez. And I think he he won his battle with Saka yesterday after the first fifteen minutes quite comfortably, not for the first time this season as well. So I think he's maybe now a fullback in my my eyes. So that leaves you with three centre backs um, plus plus. The, the break glass option of Gomez. So I think they'd still need one more. That would be my, my sort of longer term squad um planning. And then of course you've got you've got the spectre of maybe Thiago leaves in the summer. You might have a a, a space for a you know another sort of all round midfield kind of player. The one obviously yeah the Salah Salah's the fly in the ointment really isn't he if Salah you know if you lost Salah then yeah of course I think you need to do some serious business in the in the forward line but as it stands maybe the only thing I would say that Liverpool could lack is 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 a right sided a right sided player but that could be Bendo you know longer term that could be that could be someone like him or Gordon who who, who, who grow into that role um I don't think I, I mean it could be Diaz. Couldn't it? You know, if, if we judge on the second half yesterday, I think he he looked like he was sort of I don't know. It, it maybe simplified the game for him a little bit more. You know, he, he he was able to run into space a lot more, wasn't he? Than cut, rather than cutting inside, maybe maybe that could be one of them that we see a bit more of. I liked I liked Nunes out out left. I thought that worked in the second half. You know, I thought it worked against West Ham early in the season. I think that's still a pretty good option. Um, so yeah, they, I think the Liverpool's forward line is is pretty healthy. Um. But that's dependent on having the Egyptian in the in the ranks. I think if if that was to change, then yeah, we'd have to we'd have to be seeing some spectacular business. I mean, I mean, I reckon it would be probably easier to, to push, as you say, to sort of push Diaz sort of right wing and replace him on the left than it would be to sort of yeah. <laughs> find the ideal profile yeah, yeah, to yeah, compete yeah. with sort of Salah. There, yeah, you're um, right. But, you're right. Yeah. You mentioned you mentioned Neto earlier. You mentioned Neto earlier, didn't you? You know, like he's. I think I think he's a brilliant player, Pedro Neto. I think Jared Bowen's a brilliant player, but I think that's probably gone too far now, age-wise, in terms yeah. of his age. But I think he's, I think he's a brilliant player. Yeah, but I think he's a you know, listen if if if, if you wanted Phenomenal to try and convince me otherwise, I'd li- I'd listen to, <laughs> I'd listen to him as a potential Liverpool signer. But yeah, they would be more um, suited to maybe playing, you know, in a different way to Salah. You know, in terms of not 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 just being that sort of you know fixed right sided player who gets all your goals, it might be easier to replace them from a let's add some let's add some searing pace into it or let's add, you know, a a, a flying winger to the ranks or let's add a, a a big number nine, you know, another big number nine to the to the rank. It'd be easier to go down that route than to say, right, who's the next Mohammed Salah? You know, it would be that would be a very tough ask, you know, because let's face it, we didn't even see this Mohammed Salah emerging, did we? You know, when he when he signed, we, we thought it was a good sign, but we never saw him be in this great of the game I think when he came so trying to find 
another one of them. It seems like um, it seems like you're you're pushing your luck a little bit, and you're asking for you're asking for a bit too much. It's it's very much needle in the haystack stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but also, I wanted to touch briefly as well on your point of the back line because you mentioned about sort of Joe Gomez also being considered now as sort of a fullback, and it very much almost seems like the point now is what we could look to have in this Liverpool back line is effectively another Joe Gomez, someone who's quite competent yeah. either left, yeah. right, and can slot in centrally, um, which is you know <laughs> we've got one thankfully, old, uh, but yeah, the old. Champ, championship manager, defender, RLC. You know those those they were yeah, worth the yeah. gold once upon a time on championship manager or football manager, because um, you could just plug them in anywhere. But he he is that, isn't he, Joe Gomez? He's the sort of the, the, the new James Milner in in many ways. Oh God, yes, absolutely. You know, versatility is gold stuff. Uh, we uh, we gold dust rather. Um, but it seems like an ideal place uh, to end this latest. Uh, podcast. Neil, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on yet again. We can, of course, catch your work on X at Neil Jones Gore. And, of course, we've got Substack. We're covering Liverpool at neilj.substack.com. Uh, we'll be publishing this uh, chat again uh, on Empire of the Cop Substack, empirethecop.substack.com. It'll be going on our YouTube to uh, keep an eye out on our social media. But this has been another episode of EOTK Insider with the lovely Neil Jones and I've been your host, Farrell Keeling, have a very blessed day. Take care.